tanto gentile e tanto onesta pare, Madonna mia, quando l'altro io saluta, con mia lingua diventa mando muta, e gli occhi non la rispondi guardare. El si va, sentendosi l'odere, degnamente d'umilità vestuta, e perché sia una cosa venuta, da cielo intera miracol mostrare. Mostrarsi sì piacente a chi la mira, che dà per gli occhi una dolcezza al core, che ne intende non la por chi non la prova, e par che della sua labbia si muova un spirito suave, pien d'amore, che va dicendo all'anima, sospira, Such sweet decorum and such gentle grace attend my lady's greeting as she moves, that lips can only tremble into silence, and eyes dare not attempt to gaze at her. Moving benignly, clothed in humility, untouched by all the praise along her way, she seems to be a creature come from heaven to earth to manifest a miracle. Miraculously gracious to behold, her sweetness reaches through the eyes, the heart. Who has not felt this cannot understand. And from her lips, it seems there moves a gracious spirit, so deeply loving that it glides into the souls of men, whispering, sigh. Midway along the journey of her life, I woke to find myself in a dark wood, for I had wandered off from the straight path. How hard it is to tell what it was like, this wood of wilderness, savage and stubborn. The thought of it brings back all my old fears. A bitter place. Death could scarce be bitterer. But if I would show the good that came of it, I must talk about things other than the good. How I entered there, I cannot truly say. I had become so sleepy at the moment. When I first strayed, leaving the path of truth. But when I found myself at the foot of a hill, at the edge of the woods beginning, down in the valley, where I first felt my heart plunged deep in fear, I raised my head and saw the hilltop shawled, in morning rays of light sent from the planet that leads men straight ahead on every road. And then only did terror start subsiding in my heart's lake, which rose to heights of fear that night I spent in deepest desperation. Just as a swimmer, still with panting breath, now safe upon the shore out of the deep, might turn for one last look at the dangerous waters. So I, although my mind was turned to flee, turned round to gaze once more upon the pass that never let a living soul escape. I rested my tired body there a while, and then began to climb the barren slope. I dragged my stronger foot and went along. Beyond the point, the slope begins to rise, straying up a leopard trim and very swift, 
and was covered by a pelt of many spots. And everywhere I looked, the beast was there, blocking my way. So time and time again, I was about to turn and go back down. The hour was early in the morning then. The sun was climbing up with those same stars that had accompanied it on the world's first day. The day divine love set their beauty turning. So the hour and sweet season of creation encouraged me to think I could get past that gaudy beast wild in its spotted pelt. But then good hope gave way and fear returned when the figure of a lion loomed up before me. And he was coming straight toward me, it seemed, with head raised high and furious with hunger. The air around him seemed to fear his presence. And now a she-wolf came that in her leanness seemed wrapped with every kind of greediness. How many people she has brought to grief. This last beast brought my spirit down so low, with fear that seized me at the sight of her. I lost all hope of going up the hill. As a man who, rejoicing in his gains, suddenly seeing his gain turn into loss, will grieve as he compares his then and now. So she made me do that relentless beast, coming toward me slowly, step by step. She forced me back to where the sun is mute. While I was rushing down to that low place, my eyes made out a figure coming toward me of one grown faint, perhaps from too much silence. And when I saw him standing in this wasteland, have pity on my soul, I cried to him, whichever you are, shade or living man, no longer living man, though once I was, he said, and my parents were from Lombardy. Both of them were Mantuans by birth. I was born, though somewhat late, sub Julio, and lived in Rome when good Augustus reigned, and when the false and lying gods were worshipped. I was a poet and sang of that just man, son of Anchises, who sailed off from Troy after the burning of proud Ilium. But why retreat to so much misery? Why not climb up this blissful mountain here, the beginning and the source of all man's joy? Are you then Virgil? Are you then that fount from which pours forth so rich a stream of words? I said to him, bowing my head modestly. O oh, light and honor of the other poets, may my long years of study and that deep love that made me search your verses help me now. You are my teacher, the first of all my authors, and you alone the one from whom I took, the noble style that was to bring me honor. You see the beast that forced me to retreat. Save me from her, I beg you famous sage. She makes me tremble. The blood throbs in my veins. But you must journey down another road, he answered, when he saw me lost in tears. If ever you hope to leave this wilderness, 
this beast, the one you cry about in fear, allows no soul to succeed along her path. She blocks his way and puts an end to him. She is by nature so perverse and vicious. Her craving belly is never satisfied, still hungering for food the more she eats. She mates with many creatures and will go on mating with more until the greyhound comes and tracks her down to make her die in anguish. He will not feed on either land or money. His wisdom, love, and virtue shall sustain him. He will be born between Feltro and Feltro. He comes to save that fallen Italy for which the maid Camilla gave her life, and Turnus, Nessus, Euryalus died of wounds. And he will hunt for her through every city until he drives her back to hell once more, whence envy first unleashed her on mankind. And so I think it best you follow me for your own good, and I shall be your guide and lead you out through an eternal place where you will hear desperate cries and see tormented shades, some old as hell itself, and know what second death is from their screams. And later you will see those who rejoice while they are burning, for they have hope of coming, whenever it may be, to join the blessed, to whom, if you too wish to make the climb, a spirit worthier than I must take you. I shall go back, leaving you in her care, because that emperor dwelling on high will not let me lead to his city, since I in life rebelled against his law. Everywhere he reigns, and there he rules. There is his city, there is his high throne. Oh, happy the one he makes his citizen. And I to him, poet, I beg of you, in the name of God, that God you never knew, save me from this evil place, and worse, lead me there to the place you spoke about, that I may see the gate St. Peter guards, and those whose anguish you have told me of. And then he moved on, and I moved close behind him. Nel mezzo del chiamen de nostra vita mi ritrovai per una selva scura che la diretta via era smarita. Ahi, quanto a dir qual era e cosa dura esta selva selvaggia e aspra e forte che nel pensiero rinnova la paura. Tant'è amara che poco è più morte Ma per trattar da ben chi vi trovai, dirò dell'altra cosa chi vo scorte. Io non so ben ridir come vindrai, tant'era pien di sono a quel punto che la verace vi abbandonai. Ma poi chi fui al pie d'un colle giunto, Là dove terminava quella valle che m'aveva di paura il cor compunto. Guardai in alto e vedi 
le sue spalle rasteggiate raggi da pianata che mena dritto altri per ogni calle. Allora fu la paura un poco quetta che non l'ago da cor mera durata la notte che passai con tanta pietà e come quei che con l'enna fanata uscito fuor del pelago alla riva si volge all'acqua perigliosa e guata così l'animo mio ancora fuggiva si volse retro a rimirar lo passo che non lasciò già mai personava viva poi che posato un poco il corpo lasso ripresi via per la spiaggia deserta sicché i piedi fermo sempre era più basso ed ecco Quasi al cominciar di letta, una lonza leggera e presta molto, e di pel macolato era coverta. E non mi si partia dinanzi al voto, anzi mi impediva tanto il mio cammino, chi fui per ritornare più volte volto. Tempera dal principio del mattino, il sol montava su con quel stelle che ran con lui quando l'amor divino mosse di prima quelle cose belle, che si ca bene sperar mira cagione di quella fiera la gaita pelle. L'ora del tempo e la dolce stazione, ma non si che paura non mi desse. La vista che m'apparve un leone. Questi parea che contro me venisse con la testa alta e con rabbiosa fame, si che parea che l'ere ne tremesse. Ed una lupa che di tutte bramme sembiava carca nella sua magrezza, e molte genti fei già vive gramme. Questa mi porse tanto di gravezza, con la paura scia di sua vista, che io perdei la speranza di l'altezza. E quale qui che volentieri acquista? E giunge il tempo che per lei lo faccia, che in tutti i suoi pensieri piange la satrista, tal mi fece la bestia senza pace, che venendo umi incontro a poco a poco, mi ripegnava là dove sottace, mentre chi rovinava in basso loco. Dinanzi agli occhi mi si fu offerto, chi per lungo silenzio parea fioco. Quando vi ricostui nel gran deserto, misere di me, gridai a lui, qualche suzzi, od ombra od ombra certo. Risposemmi, 
non uomo, uomo, già fui. E lì parenti miei furono lombardi, mantuani per patria ambedui. Nacque sob Iulio, ancor che fosse tardi, e vissi a Roma sotto il buono. Agosto nel tempo degli dei falsi e bugiardi. Poeta fui e cantai di quel giusto figliuoi d'Anchisi che venne di Troia, poiché il superbo leon fu combusto. Ma tu perché ritorni a tanta noia? Perché non sali? Il dilettoso monte che principio e cagion di tutta gioia. Or se tu quel Virgilio e quella fonte che spandi di parlar si largo fiume. Risposio lui con vergognosa fronte. O gli altri poeti onere e lumi. Valiami il lungo studio e il grande amore che m'ha fatto cercare lo tuo volume. Tu sei lo mio maestro e lo mio autore, tu sei solo colui da cui lo tossi, lo bello stilo che m'ha fatto onore, veri la bestia per cui mi volsi. Aiutami da lei famoso saggio che la mi fa tremare le vene e il possi. A te convien tenere altro viaggio rispose poi che lagrimar vi vedi se vuoi campar desto lungo selvaggio che questa bestia per la qual tu gridi non lascio altrui passare per la sua via, ma tanto lo impedisce che l'uccide. È a natura sì, malvaggeria, che mai non pie la bramosa voglia, e dopo pasto a più fame che pria. Molti son gli animi, e mali a cui moglie e più saranno ancora anfanché il vetro verrà che la farà morire con doglia questi non ci brera terra né peltro ma sapienza amore e virtute e sua nazione sarà tra feltro e feltro di quella umile d'Italia fia salute, per cui morì la Vergine Camilla, Grialo e Turno e Nisso di frutte. Questi la caccerà per ogni villa, fin che l'avrà rimessa nello inverno, l'onde di viria prima di partia. Ondio però, tu mi penso e discerno, che tu mi segui e io sarò tua guida, e trarrotti di qui per loco eterno. 
Ove udira elis dispirati strida, vedrai li antichil spiriti dolenti, ca la seconda morte giaciun grida, e vedrai colore che son contenti nel fuoco, perché speran divenire quando che sia alla bite genti. Alle quai poi se tu vorrai salire, anima fia a ciò più di me indegna. Quando ti lascerò nel mio partire, que, che quello imperador che la sua regna, per chi fu ribellante alla sua legge, non vuoi che sua città per me si venga. In tutti parti impera e quivi reggi, quivi e sua, la sua città e l'auto seggio. O felice cui, colui cui ivi e regge. E io a lui, poeta, io ti reggio per quello Dio che tu non conoscesti, accio Chio fuga questo male e peggio, che tu mi meni la dovo dicesti, sì chio veggia la porta di San Pietro, e color cui tu fai con tanto mesti. Allor, si mos, io li teni dietro. But the pilgrim begins to waver. He expresses to Virgil his misgivings about his ability to undertake the journey proposed by Virgil. His predecessors have been Aeneas and St. Paul, and he feels unworthy to take his place in their company. But Virgil rebukes his cowardice and relates the chain of events that led him to come to Dante. The Virgin Mary took pity on the pilgrim in his despair and instructed St. Lucia to aid him. The saint turned to Beatrice because of Dante's great love for her, and Beatrice in turn went down to hell, into limbo, and asked Virgil to guide her friend until that time when she herself would become his guide. The pilgrim takes heart at Virgil's explanation and agrees to follow him. The day was fading and the darkening air was releasing all the creatures on our earth from their daily tasks, and I, one man alone, was making ready to endure the battle of the journey, and of the pity it involved, which my memory unerring shall now retrace. O oh, muses, O oh, high genius, help me now. O oh, memory that wrote down what I saw. Here your true excellence shall be revealed. Then I began, O poet, come to guide me. Tell me if you think my worth sufficient before you trust me to this arduous road. I wrote about young Silvius's father, who went beyond with flesh corruptible with all his senses, to the immortal realm. But as the adversary of all evil was kind to him, considering who he was, and the consequence that was to come from him. This cannot seem to thoughtful men unfitting 
For in the highest heaven he was chosen, father of glorious Rome and of her empire. And both the city and her lands in truth were established as the place of holiness, where the successors of great Peter sit. And from this journey you celebrate in verse, Annas learned those things that were to bring victory for him, and for Rome, the papal seat. And later the chosen vessel Paul ascended to ring back confirmation of that faith, which is the first step on salvation's road. But why am I to go? Who allows me to? I am not Annas, I am not Paul. Neither I nor man would think me worthy. And so, if I should undertake the journey, I might I fear it might turn out an act of folly. You are wise, you see more than my words express. As one who unwills what he willed will change his purpose with some new second thought, completely quitting, completely quitting what he first had started, so did I, standing there on that dark slope, thinking, ending the beginning of that venture, I was so quick to take up at the start. If I have truly understood your words, that shade of magnanimity replied, your soul is burdened with that cowardice, which often weighs so heavily on man. It turns him from a noble enterprise, like a frightened beast that shies at its own shadow. To free you from this fear, let me explain the reason I came here, the words I heard. That first time I felt pity for your soul. I was among those dead who were suspended when a lady summoned me. She was so blessed and beautiful, I implored her to command me. With eyes of light more bright than any star, in low, soft tones, she started to address me in her own language, with an angel's voice. O oh, noble soul, courteous Mantuan, whose fame the world continues to preserve and will preserve as long as world there is. My friend, who is no friend of fortunes, strays on a desert slope. So many obstacles have crossed his path. His fright has turned him back. I fear he may have gone so far astray from what report has come to me in heaven that I may have started to his aid too late. Now go, and with your elegance of speech, with whatever may be needed for his freedom, give him your help, and thereby bring me solace. I am Beatrice, who urges you to go. I come from the place I am longing to return to. Love moved me, as it moves me now to speak. When I return to stand before my lord, often I shall sing your praises to him. And then she sp spoke no more. And I began, O lady of grace, through whom alone mankind may go beyond all worldly things contained, within the sphere that makes the smallest round, your plea fills me with happy eagerness to have obeyed already would still seem late. You needed only to express your wish. But tell me how you dared to make this journey all the way down to that point of spacelessness, away from your spacious home that calls you back. 
because your question searches for deep meaning. I shall explain in simple words, she said, just why I have no fear of coming here. A man must stand in fear of just those things that truly have the power to do us harm, of nothing else, for nothing else is fearsome. God gave me such a nature through his grace. The torments you must bear cannot affect me, nor are the fires of hell a threat to me. A gracious lady sits in heaven grieving for what happened to the one I sent you to, and her compassion breaks heaven's stern decree. She called Lucia, and making her request, she said, Your faithful one is now in need of you, and to you I now commend his soul. Lucia, the enemy of cruelty, hastened to make her way to where I was, sitting by the side of ancient Rachel, and said to me, Beatrice, God's true praise, will you not help the one whose love was such? It made him leave the vulgar crowd for you. Do you not hear the pity of his weeping? Do you not see what death it is that threatens him? Along that river, the sea shall never conquer. There never was a worldly person living, more anxious to promote his selfish gains, than I was at the sound of words like these. To leave my holy seat and come down here, and place my trust in you and your noble speech, that honors you and all those who have heard it. When she had finished reasoning, she turned her shining eyes away, and there were tears. How eager, then, I was to come to you. And I have come to you just as she wished, and I have freed you from the beast that stood, blocking the quick way up the Mount of Bliss. So what is wrong? Why, why do you delay? Why are you such a coward in your heart? Why aren't you bold and free of all your fear? When three such gracious ladies who are blessed wash out for you up there in heaven's court, and my words, too, bring promise of such good. As little flowers from the frosty night are closed and limp, and when the sun shines down on them, they rise to open on their stem. My wilted strength began to bloom within me, and such warm courage flowed into my heart that I spoke like a man set free of fear. O oh, she, compassionate, who moved to help me, and you, all kindness, in obeying quick, those words of truth she brought with you, with her for you, you and the words you spoke have moved my heart with such desire to continue onward that now I have returned to my first purpose. Let us start for both our wills, Joined now are one. You are my guide. You are my lord and teacher. These were my words to him, and when he moved, I entered on that deep and rugged road. Lo giorno se ne andava, e l'ere Bruno toglieva lì l'animai che sono intera. Da le fatti che loro, e io so uno. Ma parecchiava a sostenere la guerra, si del cammino e si della pietate.
che ritrarrà la mente che non era. O muse, o l'altro ingegno, o maiutate, o mente che scrivesti ciò che ho vidi, chi sembra la tua nobilitate. Io cominciai, poeta che mi guidi, guarda la mia virtù se l'è posente, prima che l'alto passo tu mi fidi. Tu dici che ti silvio il parente, corrotibile ancora, a rimodale secolo andò e fu sensibilmente. Però, se l'avversario d'ogni male cortesi fu, pensando l'alto effetto, che uscir dovea di lui, e le chi e le quale. Non pare indegno a Roma d'intelletto, che fu dell'ama Roma e di suo impero, nell'imperio c'è per padre eletto. La quale, la quale, a voler di lo vero, fu stabilità per lo loco santo, o siede il successor da maggior Piero. Per questa andata onde li dai tu vanto, intese cose che furono cagion di sua vittoria e del papal amanto. Andove poi lo vas delezione, per recarne conforto a quella fede che principio alla via di salvazione. Ma io, perché venervi, o chi concedi? Io non Enea, io non Paolo sono, mi degno a ciò né io né altri crede. Perché, se da venire io m'abbandono, temo che la venuta non sia folle. Se savio, intendimi chi non ragiono. E quale quei che disvuol ciò che vuole, e per nuovi pensieri cambia proposta. Sì, che dal cominciare tutto di Sitol, Tommy Fecchio, in quella oscura costa, perché pensando consumai l'impressa, che fu nel cominciare cotanto tosta. Sì, ho ben la parola tua in testa. Rispose del magnanimo quell'ombra, l'anima tua è da viltà de offesa. La qual morte fiate l'uomo ingombra, sì che tondrata impressa lo rivolte, come fosse vedere bestia con l'ombra. Da questo tema a ciò che tu ti solvi, dirò ti perchio venire quel che ho in tessi, nel primo punto che di 
Temidove. Eu era tracolo che son sospessi e donna mi chiamo pietà e bella tal che di comandare io la richiesi. Luce van gli occhi suoi più che la stella e cominciomi a dir suave e piana con angelica voce in sua fevella. O anima cortesi mantoana, di cui la fama ancor nel mondo dura, e durerà quanto il mondo lontana. L'amico mio, e non della ventura, nella deserta piaggia è impedito, sì nel cammin che volte per paura. I temo che non sia già si smarito, ch'io mi sia tardi al soccorso levata, per quel ch'io di lui nel cielo udito. O movi, e con la tua parola onata, e con ciò c'ha mestieri al suo campare, l'aiuta si chi ne sia consolata. E son Beatrice che ti faccio andare, vegno del loco ove tornar desio. Amor mi mosse, che mi fa parlare. Quando sarò dinanzi al Signor mio, dintimi loderò sovente a Lui. Tacete allora, e poi comincia io, o donna di virtù, sola per cui l'umana spezie eccere ogni contento di quel cella minor li cerchi sui. Tanto m'agrada il tuo comandamento, che l'ubidir. Se già fosse me tardi, più non te oi caprirmi il tuo talento. Ma dimmi la cagion che non ti guardi, te lo scende qua giusto, giusto in questo centro, dell'ampio loco ove tornar tu ardi. Da che tu vuoi saver cotanto addentro, dirotti brevemente mi rispose, perché i non timo di venire qua entro. Temer sì di sol quelle cose, cano potenza di fare altro i mali, di l'altro noi, che non son parose. Lo son fatta da Dio, sua merce tale, che la vostra miseria non mi tange, né fiamma desto incendio non massale. Donna e gentil, né ciel che si compiange, 
di questo impedimento ovvio ti mando, sì che duro giudicio la sua frange. Questa chiese Lucia in suoi dimando e disse, o oh, ha bisogno il tuo fedele di te, e io a te lo raccomando. Lucia nemica di Cascun Crudelli si mosse e venne al loco dove era che mi sedea con l'antica Rachele. Disse, Beatrice, loda di Dio vera, che non soccorri quei che t'amo tanto, che uscì per te della volgare schiera. Non ho di tu la pietà del suo pianto, non vedi tu la morte che combatte sulla fiumana ove la mar non avanto. Al mondo non fior mai persone rate a farlo pro fuggir lor danno, com'io dopo che tai parole fatte. Vieni qua, giù del mio biotto scano, fidandomi del tuo parlare onesto, conora te e quei chiudito all'anno. Poscia che m'ebbe ragionato questo, gli occhi lucenti lagrimando voce, perché mi fece del venir più presto. E venne a te così come la voce, dinanzi a quella fiera ti levai, che deve monte il corto andar ti tolse. Dunque, che è? Perché? Perché restai? Perché tanta viltà nel cor la lette? Perché ardire francesa non hai? Poschia, che t'hai tre donne benedette, curanti di te nella corte del cielo. Il mio parlare tanto ben ti promette. Quali fioretti dal notturno cielo? Chinati e chiusi, poi che lo soli in bianca, di dresan tutti aperti in loro stello. Tal mi fecchio di mia virtù stanca, e tanto buono a dire al cor mi corse, che cominciai come persona franca. O oh, pietosa! Colei che mi soccorse, e te cortese cubiriste tosto alle vere parole che ti porse. Tu mai con desiderio il cor disposto, 
sia venir con le tue con le parole tue che son tornato nel primo proposto or va cum so volere e dambe due tu duca tu signore e tu maestro così gli dissi e poi che mosso fui entrai per lo cammino alto e silvestro Canto 3 As the two poets enter the vestibule that leads to hell itself, Dante sees the inscription above the gate, and he hears the screams of anguish from the damned souls. Rejected by God and not accepted by the powers of hell, the first group of souls are nowhere because of their cowardly refusal to make a choice in life. Their punishment is to follow a banner at a furious pace forever and to be tormented by flies and hornets. The pilgrim recognizes several of these shades, but mentions none by name. Next, they come to the river Acheron, where they are greeted by the infernal boatman, Charon. Among those doomed souls who are to be ferried across the river, Charon sees the living man and challenges him. But Virgil lets it be known that his companion must pass. Then, across the landscape, rushes a howling wind, which blasts the pilgrim out of his senses, and he falls to the ground. I am the way into the doleful city. I am the way into eternal grief. I am the way to a forsaken race. Justice it was that moved my great creator. Divine omnipotence created me, and highest wisdom joined with primal love. Before me nothing but eternal things were made, and I shall last eternally. Abandon every hope, all you who enter. I saw these words spelled out in somber colors, inscribed along the ledge above a gate. Master, I said, these words I see are cruel. He answered me, speaking with experience. Now here you must leave all distrust behind. Let all your cowardice die on this spot. We are at the place where earlier I said you could expect to see the suffering race of souls who lost the good of intellect. Placing his hand on mine, smiling at me in such a way that I was reassured, he led me in into those mysteries. Here, sighs and cries and shrieks of lamentation echoed throughout the starless air of hell. At first, these sounds resounding made me weep. Tongues confused, a language strained in English, with cadences of anger, shrill outcries, and raucous groans that joined with sounds of hands, raising a whirling storm that turns itself forever through that air of endless black, like grains of sand swirling when a whirlwind blows. And I, in the midst of all this circling horror, began, Teacher, what are these sounds I hear? What souls are these so overwhelmed by grief? And he to me, This wretched state of being is the fate of those sad souls who lived a life, but lived it with no blame and with no praise. They are mixed with that repulsive choir of angels, neither faithful nor unfaithful to their God 
who undecided stood but for themselves. Heaven, to keep its beauty, cast them out, but even hell itself would not receive them, for fear the damned might glory over them. And I, Master, what torments do they suffer that force them to lament so bitterly? He answered, I will tell you in a few words. These wretches have no hope of truly dying, and this blind life they lead is so abject, it makes them envy every other fate. The world will not record their having been there. Heaven's mercy and its justice turn from them. Let's not discuss them. Look and pass them by. And so I looked and saw a kind of banner rushing ahead, whirling with aimless speed as though it would not ever take a stand. Behind it, an interminable train of souls pressed on, so many that I wondered how death could have undone so great a number. When I recognized a few of them, I saw the shade of the one who must have been the coward who had made the great refusal. At once I understood, and I was sure, that this was that sect of evil souls who were hateful to God and to his enemies. These wretches, who had never truly lived, went naked and were stung and stung again by the hornets and the wasps that circled them, and made their faces run with blood and streaks, their blood mixed with their tears dripped to their feet, and disgusting maggots collected in the puss. And when I looked beyond this crowd, I saw a throng upon the shore of a wide river, which made me ask, Master, I would like to know, who are these people, and what law is this, that makes those souls so eager for the crossing, as I can see, even in this dim light? And he, all this will be made plain to you as soon as we shall come to stop a while, upon the sorrowful shore of Acheron. And I, with eyes cast down in shame, for fear that I had perhaps had spoken out of turn, said nothing more until we reached the river. And suddenly, coming towards us in a boat, a man of years whose ancient hair was white, shouted at us, Woe to you, perverted souls! Give up hope of ever seeing heaven. I come to lead you to the other shore into eternal darkness, ice, and fire. And you, the living soul, you over there, get away from all these people who are dead. But when he saw I did not move aside, he said, Another way by other ports, not here, shall you pass to reach the other shore. A lighter skiff than this must carry you. And my guide, Charon, this is no time for anger. It is so willed, there where the power is, for what is willed, that's all you need to know. These words brought silence to the woolly cheeks of the ancient steersman of the livid marsh, whose eyes were set in glowing wheels of fire. But all those souls there, naked in despair, changed color and their teeth began to chatter at the sound of his announcement of their doom. They were cursing God, cursing their own parents, the human race, the time, the place, the seed of their beginning, and their day of birth. 
Then all together, weeping bitterly, they packed themselves along the wicked shore that waits for every man who fears not God. The devil, Charon, with eyes of glowing coals, summons them all together with a signal, and with an oar, he strikes the laggard sinner. As in autumn, when the leaves begin to fall, one after the other, until the branches witness to the spoils spread on the ground, so did the evil seed of Adam's fall drop from that shore to the boat, one at a time, at the signal, like the falcon to its lure. Away they go across the darkened waters, and before they reach the other side to land, a new throng starts collecting on this side. My son, the gentle master said to me, all those who perish in the wrath of God assemble here from all parts of the earth. They want to cross the river. They are eager. It is divine justice that spurs them on, turning the fear they have into desire. A good soul never comes to make this crossing. So, if Charon grumbles at the sight of you, you see now what his words are really saying. He finished speaking, and the grim terrain shook violently, and the fright it gave me, even now in recollection, makes me sweat. Out of the tear-drenched land a wind arose, which blasted forth into a reddish light, knocking my senses out of me completely, and I fell as one falls tired into sleep. Per me si va nelle città dolente, per me si va nell'eterno dolore, per me si va tra la perduta gente. Giustizia mosse il mio autofattore, fecemi la divina podestate, la somma sapienza e il primo amore. Dinanzi a me non fuor cose create, se non eterne, e io eterno duro. Lasciate ogni speranza, voi che entrate. Queste parole di colore oscuro, vidio scritte al sommo d'una porta. Perch'io, maestro, il senso lor me duro. Ed egli a me, come persona corta, chi si conviene lasciare ogni sospetto, ogni viltà conviene che qui sia morta. Noi siamo venuti a loco, vi do detto, che tu vedrai la gente dolorosa, cano per tutto, il ben dell'intelletto. E poi, che la sua mano alla mia pose, con lieto volto, Dio mi confortai, mi mise dentro alle segrete cose. Quivi, sospiri, pianti e alti guai, risonavan per l'aere, senza stelle, perch'io al cominciar ne lagrimai. Diverse lingue, orribili favelle, 
parole di dolore, accenti d'ira, voci alte fiocchi, il suon di man con el. Facevano un tumulto, il qual s'aggira sempre in quella ora, senza tempo tinta, come la renna quando turbo spira. E io, che aveva terrore la testa cinta, dissi, Maestro, che è quel chiodo, e che gente che par nel duol si venta. Ed egli a me, questo misero modo, tenion l'anime triste di coloro, che visir senza infamia e senza lodo. Mischiate sono a quel cattivo coron degli angeli che non furono ribelli né fur fedeli a Dio, ma per se fuoro. Cacciani ciel per non essere men belli, nello profondo inferno li riceve. Qualcuna gloria irei avrebbe degli. E io, maestro, che è tanto greve a lor che lamentar li fa si forte, rispose, dicerotti molto breve. Questi non hanno speranza di morte, e la lor cieca vita e tanto passa, che ne vidiosi son d'ogni altra sorte. Fama di loro il mondo esse non lassa, misericordia e giustizia li stegna. Non ragioniam di loro, ma guarda e passa. E io, che riguardai, vidi una segna che girando correva tanto ratta, che d'ogni posa mi parea. Indegna. E dietro le venia si lunga tratta di gente, chi non avere creduto che morte tanta n'avesse disfatta. Poschia ch'io vebi alcun riconosciuto, vidi e conobbi l'ombra di colui che fece per il gran rifiuto. Incontenente in tessi e certo fui che questa era la setta di cattivi, a Dio spaccenti e a nemici sui. Questi schiagliurati che mai non fervivi erano ignudi e stimolati molto da mosconi e da vespe che erano ivi. Er regavan lor di sangue il voto che, mischiato di lagrime, a lor piedi da fastidiosi vermire ricotto. E poi 
Ficar e guardar outra me dele. Virigente alariva de um grande fiume. Perguiu disse. Maestro, ou me concedi. Que sabe quali sono e qual costume le fa di trapassar paresi pronte. Con il discerno, discerno per lo fuoco lume. Ed eliame, le cose ti fie conte quando noi femerem li nostri passi su la trista riviera da Chironte. Allora, con gli occhi vergognosi e bassi, tremendo non mio dirgli fosse grave, infino al fiume del parlar mi trassi. Ed ecco, verso noi venir penave, un vecchio, bianco, brantico pelo, gridando, Guai a voi, anime prave. Non esperate mai vederlo cielo. Io venio per menarvi all'altra riva. Nelle tenebre eterne, in caldo e in gelo. E tu che si costi, anima viva, partiti da cotesti, che son morti, ma poi chi vede ch'io non mi partiva, disse, per altra via, per altri porti verrai a piaggia, non qui, per passare. Più lieve legno convien che ti porti. Il duca lui, che non, non ti crociare, Volsi così colà dove si puote ciò che si vuole e più non dimandare. Quinci fuorquette le lanno segote al nocier della livida palude che intorno agli occhi aveva di fiamme rotte. Ma quell'anime che andasse a nude, cangiar colore e dibattero i denti, rato che intesser la parola crude. Bestemmia vanno Dio e loro parenti, l'umana spezie, il loco e il tempo, il seme di loro semenza. E di loro nascimenti. Poi si ritrassar tutte quante insieme, forte, piangendo, alla riva malvagia, catende che asciun uom che Dio non teme, che era un demonio con occhi di braggia, loro accenando tutte le raccogli parte col remo qualunque staggia 
come d'autunno di silvan le foglie l'una la presso dell'altra finché l'an ramo vede alla terra tutte le sue spoglie similmente il mai sieme d'adamo gitanzi di quellito ad una ad una perceni come ogel per suoi richiamo così sanvano su per l'onda bruna e avanti che sian di là discesi anche di qua nuova schiera sauna figlio mio disse il maestro cortesi quelli che mui non nell'ira di dio tutti convenzion qui d'ogni paese e pronti sono a trapassar l'orio che la divina giustizia li sprona sì che la tema si volve in dissio quinci non passa mai anima buona e però se caron di te si lagna ben puoi sapere omai che le sue dir sono finito questo la buia campagna tremo si forte che dello spavento la mente di surre ancor mi bagna la terra lagrimosa di di vento che baleno una luce vermiglia la qual mi vinse cascun sentimento e cadi come l'uom cui sono piglia canto four waking from his swoon the pilgrim is led by virgil to the first circle of hell known as limbo where the sad shades of the virtuous non-christians dwell the souls here including virgil suffer no physical torment but they must live in desire without hope of seeing god virgil tells us about christ's descent into hell and his salvation of several old testament figures the poets see a light glowing in the darkness and as they proceed toward it they are met by the four greatest other than virgil pagan poets homer horace ovid and lucan who take the pilgrim into their group as they come closer to the light the pilgrim perceives a splendid castle where the greatest non-christian thinkers dwell together with other famous historical figures once within the castle the pilgrim sees among others electra aeneas Caesar, Saladin, Aristotle, Plato, Orpheus, Cicero, Avicenna, and Averroes. But soon they must leave, and the poets move from the radiance of the castle toward the fearful encompassing darkness. A heavy clap of thunder I awoke from the deep sleep that drugged my mind, startled the way one is when shaken out of sleep i turned my rested eyes from side to side already on my feet and staring hard 
I tried my best to find out where I was, and this is what I saw. I found myself upon the brink of grief's abysmal valley that collects the thunderings of endless cries. So dark and deep and nebulous it was, try as I might to force my sight below, I could not see the shape of anything. Let us descend into the sightless world, began the poet. His face was deathly pale. I will go first, and you will follow me. And I, aware of his changed color, said, But how can I go on if you are frightened? You are my constant strength when I lose heart. And he to me, The anguish of the souls that are down here paints my face with pity, which you have wrongly taken to be fear. Let us go, the long road urges us. He entered then, leading the way for me, down to the first circle of the abyss. Down there, to judge only by what I heard, there were no wails, but just the sound of sighs rising and trembling through the timeless air. The sounds of sighs of untormented grief, burdening these groups, diverse and teeming, made up of men and women and of infants. Then the good master said, You do not ask what sort of souls are these you see around you. Now you should know, before we go on farther, they have not sinned, but their great worth alone was not enough. For they did not know baptism, which is the gateway to the faith you follow. And if they came before the birth of Christ, they did not worship God the way one should. I myself am a member of this group. For this defect, and for no other guilt, we here are lost. In this alone we suffer. Cut off from hope, we live on in desire. The words I heard weighed heavy on my heart, to think that souls as virtuous as these were suspended in that limbo and forever. Tell me, my teacher, tell me, O my master, I began, wishing to have confirmed by him the teachings of unerring Christian doctrine. Did any ever sleep here, through his merit, or with another's help, and go to bliss? And he who understood my hidden question answered, I was a novice in this place when I saw a mighty lord descend to us, who wore the sign of victory as his crown. He took from us the shade of our first parent, of Abel, his good son, of Noah too, and of obedient Moses, who made the laws. Abram, the patriarch, David, the king, Israel with his father and his children, with Rachel, whom he worked so hard to win, and many more he chose for blessedness. And you should know, before these souls were taken, no human soul had ever reached salvation. We did not stop our journey while he spoke, but continued on our way along the woods. I say the woods, for souls were thick as trees. We had not gone too far from where I awoke when I made out a fire up ahead, a hemisphere of light that lit the dark. We were still at some distance from that place, 
but close enough for me to vaguely see that honorable souls possess that spot. O glory of the sciences and arts, who are these souls enjoying special honor, dwelling apart from all the others here? And he to me, the honored name they bear that still resounds above in your own world wins heaven's favor for them in this place. And as he spoke, I heard a voice announce, Now let us honor our illustrious poet. His shade that left is now returned to us. And when the voice was silent and always quiet, I saw four mighty shades approaching us, their faces showing neither joy nor sorrow. Then my good master started to explain, Observe the one who comes with sword in hand, leading the three as if he were their master. It is the shade of Homer, sovereign poet, and coming second, Horace, the satirist. Ovid is the third, and last comes Lucan. Since they all share one name with me, the name you heard resounding in that single voice, they honor me and do well doing so. So I saw gathered there the noble school of the master singer of sublimest first, who soars above all others like the eagle. And after they had talked a while together, they turned and with a gesture welcomed me. And at that sign, I saw my master smile. Greater honor still they deigned to grant me. They welcomed me as one of their own group so that I numbered sixth among such minds. We walked together toward the shining light, discussing things that here are best kept silent, as there they were most fitting for discussion. We reached the boundaries of a splendid castle that seven times was circled by high walls defended by a sweetly flowing stream. We walked right over it, as on hard ground. Through seven gates I passed with those wise spirits, and then we reached a meadow fresh in bloom. Their people were whose eyes were calm and grave, whose bearing told of great authority. Seldom they spoke, and always quietly. Then, moving to one side, we reached a place, spread out and luminous, higher than before allowing us to view all who were there. And right before us on the lustrous green, the mighty shades were pointed out to me. My heart felt glory when I looked at them. There was Electra standing with a group, among whom I saw Hector and Aeneas, and Cesare, falcon-eyed and fully armed. I saw Camilla and Penthesilea, Across the way I saw the Latian king with Lavinia, his daughter, by his side. I saw the Brutus who drove out the Tarquin, Lucretia, Lu Julia, Marcia, and Cornelia. Off by himself, I noticed Saladin, and when I raised my eyes a little higher, I saw the master sage of those who know, sitting with his philosophic family. All gaze at him, all pay their homage to him. And there I saw both Socrates and Plato, each closer to his side, 
than any other. Democritus, who said the world was chance. Diogenes, Thales, Anxagoras, Empedocles, Zeno, and Heraclitus. I saw the one who classified our herbs. Dioscorides, I mean, and I saw Orpheus, Tully, Linus, Seneca, the moralist, Euclid, the geometer, and Ptolemy, Hippocrates, Galen, Avicenna, and Averroes, who made the commentary. I cannot tell about them all in full. My theme is long and urges me ahead. Often I must omit things I have seen. The company of six becomes just two. My wise guide leads me by another way, out of the quiet into tempestuous air. I come into a place where no light is, 